College basketball, a sport that is right around the corner from us, and it is adored by many across the country. What is emphasized a lot in college basketball is its postseason tournament, March Madness, a tournament that is watched and loved by many across the country as well. We all write out our brackets in efforts to build the perfect bracket, trying to earn the the family prize or maybe even $1 million for whoever is offering it. But what if I told you some of these players who were involved in the sport and the tournament were getting paid illegally by agents and assistant coaches? What if I told you it took me to realize as a college basketball fan, it was more than just my team that was involved? Or what if I told you that this illegal act that was conducted two seasons ago is now beginning to be introduced as legal. Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome back to Gen Z, Dawn of the Fire, and I'm your host, Trey Redfield. Today, we finally get to dig deep into this 2017 2018 NCAA men's college basketball corruption scandal. And once again, as defined by Wikipedia, it is an ongoing corruption scandal initially, initially involving sportswear manufacturer Adidas, as well as several college basketball programs associated with the brand, but now involving many programs not affiliated with Adidas. So these brands include Nike, Under Armour, and Mostly just Nike and Under Armour, as Adidas, Nike, and Under Armour are the Under Armour are the big three of of uh, brands in college in college sports. So we have those three questions from the intro in mind uh, about what occurred two seasons ago. It being it was an illegal act, but now it's legal. We have that in mind, and this is something I'm very very excited to finally dig deep into. First, let's get into the people. Who illegally acted, starting with a wiretap from this from a discussion about bigs between the University of Louisville's basketball program and the University of Miami's basketball program. Bigs are considered centers and power forwards, which are positions in which are positions in the game of basketball. So let's roll the tape with Merrill Code and James Gatto. So uh, you guys don't even want to sign big unless it's just like a superstar, basically. No, not even. I mean, technically, you know, because I had a conversation with Andy about uh, Turner, you know, going forward. I said I, I probably couldn't get that through because, you know, this is the brief of who we're trying to get. I mean, that's where we are today. You know, but we, we turn around our business and things change in, in a year or two, you know, maybe, you know. But that's where, you know. Yeah, the, market, the, mar- the market for bigs is going to be shit all around because if you guys ain't paying the Nike, damn sure not going to pay. Mm-hmm. You're right. And you got to understand, and I think some people have been explaining because, you know, I, you know I, we're cutting our portfolio. And then I, just so you know, and Nike, I think, is starting to do it too. The basketball business in general is down 25%. Yeah, I heard nobody. Every, every yeah. Yeah. So, and that's the kind of that are happening. Until we turn it around and so forth, if he's going to put a share of voice on the court, he's going to look at my box. He wants guards. He doesn't want bigs. 
but I got to explain in and, and my part of, you know, listen, I do things for this, that, and the other, and that's what I'm trying to explain. You know, I'm doing this because down the line, it's going to hopefully help out with, you know, your guys that I know you're bringing in, hopefully, right? Mm -hmm. So from there. And then the last thing, just everything with Vaughn is going to be good, right? I know it's changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. No, no, we're good. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. Okay. okay, perfect. Just our first system getting that in. Um, okay. Now this gives us a pretty good start because a legendary head coach was fired for discussing a big in Brian Bowen Jr., who was heavily recruited by the University of Louisville's men's basketball program. And that man was Rick Pitino. Shortly after appearing on ESPN's College Game Day, showing off his support for the Louisville Cardinals football team, he was let go and fired, shaming a Louisville basketball program and opening the light to nine more men seeing accusations and potentially jail time. Now let's start with James Gatto. Gatto was a former executive for Adidas, creating an effect on teams endorsed by Adidas, especially North Carolina State and Louisville, just a few of the teams involved in this investigation. Now, this hit home for me, especially growing up as a diehard NC State Wolfpack fan. Gatto was charged with conspiracy to wire fraud, which included potentially sending $40,000 sent to the family of former North Carolina State point guard and very good point guard, Dennis Smith Jr., who turned down offers from Kentucky and Kansas. He only received nine months in prison, Gatto, and you will see the impact of, of his prison time as well as others' prison time. Next up is the duo that worked with James Gatto. First is Merrill Code, a former Adidas consultant for high school and college basketball, and Christian Dawkins, who is an aspiring ASM sports agent working to have high school basketball players as their clients. Both Code and Dawkins ended up receiving six months in prison, and both had to pay the University of Louisville $28,261 in restitution money for their actions regarding Brian Bowen Jr. And this trio's plug, or I guess helpful hand, we should say, was Munish Sud. And he was the CEO and CIO of the Princeton Advisory Group, serving as their financial advisor, pleading guilty on felony conspiracy to commit bribery, funneling $100,000 to the family of Brian Bowen Jr. So now after all that's settled, let's move on to the assistant coaches. First was Chuck Person. He was a former assistant coach at Auburn, and he took $91,500 ,500 in bribes for family support and end up pleading guilty forfeiting the 91 and a half K. His sentence is pending, but likely lower than Gatto's sentence. His sidekick was former college basketball referee, referee Rashawn Michelle. He ended up pleading guilty of brokering bribes and forfeited his $24,000 that he ended up pulling out within those bribes. Next up is Book Richardson, who is an assistant coach at Arizona and NC State, basically following Sean Miller. And his connection made the basketball program at Arizona fall under a potential huge storm regarding the 2018 number one overall pick, DeAndre Ayton, who was speculated to have been paid a lot of money to go to the University of Arizona. Anyways, Richardson took $20,000 in bribes in efforts to direct players endorsed by Under Armour to Christian Dawkins, creating the idea of quid pro quo, which means this for that in Latin. He received three months in prison, pleading guilty to soliciting and accepting bribes. Next up is Tony Bland. He was a former assistant coach at the University of Southern California and accepting $4.1K and pleading guilty for soliciting and accepting bribes as well. What is different from fellow Pac-12 co Pac assistant coach Book Richardson is that Bland received two years of probation and 100 community service hours. 
Lastly is Lamont Evans, a former assistant coach from from the University of South Carolina in Oklahoma State, accepting $22,000 in bribes. Pleading guilty to commitment of bribery, Evans was sentenced only three months in prison. So now with everything in place with the men who were involved in this incident, let's take a quick pause and turn it and turn the direction towards the interview that I had with my former student leadership teacher as a senior in high school, as well as our high school basketball coach, Coach LJ Hep. Hep has a lot of playing and coaching experience, playing junior varsity at the University of North Carolina, as well as serving as a graduate assistant for graduate assistant coach for the Tar Heels in 2001 to 2003. From 03 to 05, he was an assistant at Stanford University, where he was conference foes with the University of Arizona, which is which plays a p- pretty big role in this investigation, knowing the big storm cloud that they were in, as stated earlier in the cast. Hep also coached at Panther Creek High School from 2006 to 2009, as well as 2013 to 14. In between those years, he served as the head coach to the Oida Heat Devils in Japan. And just this past year, he accepted to be, or the past two years ago, Hep accepted the job to be the head coach at Holly Springs High School. All right, welcome back, guys. I have my... Um, old student leadership teacher who was also my high, also the high school basketball coach in my high school, Coach LJ Hep. How are you doing today, Coach? Doing good, Trey. Uh, good to talk to you. Good to hear from you, of course. Yeah, it's missing home, man. I'm, I'll tell you that. So, um, so yeah, let's get right into it. Um, what got you into coaching just in the first place? Yeah, so just coaching in general, I just um, always had a passion for sport. And basketball is the sport I fell in love with the most, and um, I just, I just thought it'd be how awesome would it be to be able to spend a career and a life of working with, you know, around a game you love, and, and ultimately be able to impact uh, young people, uh, yeah, work good relationship, and um, so yeah, my dad coached um, out of when he was um, out of college, and uh, when I was a young kid, he was coaching. I just always remembered that. Thought it'd be a great way to. Um, you know, life and his coaches were great to him growing up and I maintained relationships with those guys throughout and that's just something I always looked up to and valued to so it's just kind of something I always thought I would like to like to do awesome good stuff so what as a coach did you have like what kind of um college basketball experience did you have like at the, did you ever coach at the college level so yeah so I um so I went to the student at UNC and they still have a junior varsity team. Right. And uh, that team is, is coached by the assistant coaches. Um, and the team plays and practices at the Smith Center. And similar to high school, some ways that, you know, there's a JV going on a lot of times uh, before, you know, the you know the UNC team is playing on ESPN that night. There's a JV game the early afternoon. But um, so I, I played on that team in college. And, and um, it was an awesome experience. Got to learn, you know, game from a you know, very high level uh, coaching staff of course and, yeah. um, and then from there I just got along well with the coaches and I was able to hang around as a graduate assistant uh, at UNC and then um, I got my first job after grad school uh, was out at Stanford and so I worked I think total about seven years uh, at, 
at the college level, and then I've coached high school for my seventh year coaching high school. Awesome. So now it's like evening out, I guess, with the college and high school level. Yeah, that's very yeah. very good. But um, so you're out, you're you're familiar with the um 2017 2018 college basketball scandal that came out like the like the first and second waves of teams. Um, how did you as a as a college basketball coach? How how are you handling that situation when when those first waves of teams came out like Arizona, Kansas, Kentucky, like those first group? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, I, you know, and I haven't followed it that that closely now that I've been you know, just coaching high school most recently. But um, you know, I was certainly, I think, in some in some ways, surprised. I mean, I think there was always a, a little bit of a perception that at times. You know, players would follow their um, their uh, brand that they were maybe playing through with an AAU. So they played with an AAU right. program that they would somehow end up at an Adidas college university. And I never really you know, truly believed that was the case a ton. That really happens. I mean, it was kind of thought of that it did happen. And I just, um, I don't know. I'd also worked at programs where that really wasn't, you know, the place I worked, they were trying to recruit kids that weren't involved in any type of things like that. So in Stanford, that wasn't like no, the case at, no, all. No, not at all. I would assume. Um, no, but there was, you know, there, I would say there certainly was the idea out there that they, maybe that happened some, but I never really, it wasn't until really those media reports came out a couple of years ago where they were linking all of, you know, agents, uh, you know, with these kind of runners, with the with, with the assistant coaches, and the assistant coaches, and this whole this whole web of, of folks. Like I had never tried to. I mean, I never really put that much thought into it and try to connect those dots and think yeah. that, that would actually be happening. So to me, again, more surprising that you know maybe that was going on a lot more than I maybe I was naive, uh, but to realize and yeah. when you see the, how those relationships were intertwined that, you know, yeah, you can see how that, that, could, that could happen. Right. Now, we don't have time for the full interview, but there are a few things I took away from my time with Coach Hep. He emphasized the passion of the game. During my time in high school, Hep was able to create a great relationship with his players, which were, luckily enough, some of, my, some of my really good friends, as well as making great relationships with the players he had as an assistant coach at Stanford. Now, Stanford, they weren't the best of college basketball school so having one and done so not having one and dones really helped coach Hep create impactful relationships with his players now one and dones those are players who play college basketball for one year and then they're done and they commit to the NBA draft but anyways leading into the impact that he created on his players having a group that would not only spend one year playing college basketball to go play in the NBA he was able to help help develop his players if they ever did go pro or even go to big time schools for example, his center for my senior year in high school in 2019, Caden Shedrick, who now plays at Virginia, a center for the defending national champions. Regarding his thoughts on the scandal, he was very shocked when it broke free and formed legs. He was surprised when it involved names and brands, especially with the aspect of quid pro quo between the nine men involved in this case. So now let's trace back to the sentencing. Gatto received nine months, while Dawkins and Code both received six months. 
They were all tried together under the same judge, Lewis Kaplan. In a New York Post article regarding the three men's sentences, the article reads, quote, he believed the men, in quote from Kaplan, learned their lesson and wouldn't harm, quote from Kaplan, again, anyone in the future, end quote. First off, what does this really mean? The sentences these guys received, quote, well below, or, or were, quote, well below federal sentencing guidelines, end quote. It is later stated in the same New York Post article that, quote, Gatto faced nearly five years in prison while his co-defendants faced up to three years under federal guidelines, end quote. The sentences that these men received are not enough, and it only hurts the chances of this ever happening again. For a bigger sentence would mean smaller chances of assistant coaches having to do the dirty work, committing to that quid pro quo, which means this for that in Latin, for these sports agents and brand executives. But after all this giant dilemma, the men who were convicted, the teams that received warnings and penalties from the NCAA, the pitiful sentence that Lewis Kaplan delivered, it all led to one big thing. Gen Z is creating a new brand of sports program and economics, and sports economics, and that is pay to play, is effective 2023. Thanks to California Senate Bill 206, college athletes are allowed to acquire endorsements and sponsorships, all in all maintaining eligibility. Now, pay to play means you college athletes, it's them earning profit from their likeness and their ability to play the sport. So finally, after all this time, athletes can get paid shining the light onto the Golden State influencing other states and organizations to potentially follow. And after all, the big one did. The NCAA, a month after Senate Bill 206 was passed, they were the ones to unanimously bring in pay-to-play across all college sports. So this illegal act created something that is now legal for any NCAA school across the country, Division One, Division Two, and Division Three. So, I mean, after all, is this the new norm? This is this the new norm for Gen Z? I mean, potentially with high school basketball players going straight into the NBA, it's probably never coming back. Even though our legends Kobe Bryant and LeBron James both did it, creating no harm to coaches, players, and their programs. Scholarships, I guess, are just not enough for this generation, for our generation. But why was this illegal now? Well, nobody's ever seen something like this. Like traditional sports, as stated in the first episode, first ever episode of Gen Z, Dawn of the Fire, Gen Xers and Millennials engraved traditional sports into our minds into continuing it. Counteracting the idea, we, Gen Z, introduced esports, just like how we have introduced pay to play across all 50 states. What this generation does is that they are able to create the action for they are the ones that introduce new ideas. They create new norms and practices, i.e. pay to play. As stated, it is more than just a full ride scholarship. 
This generation demands more, acts, and finds a solution for more. Wrinkles will be ironed out, such as equity. Who will get what? Is the quarterback going to get a lot, or is the left tackle going to get a lot? Unlike past generations, we are the ones that take the stand. We are the fixers, the troubleshooters, the activists. The possibility is there, for it is only just a matter of time to figure it out, as it has finally been, been stated and set, set in stone for the future. Now, that's going to that's gonna be it for Gen Z, Dawn of the Fire. I'm your host, Trey Redfield. Make sure you guys stay tuned in for the next cast as we get more into the monetary aspect regarding sponsorships and scholarships, finding the differences between those through pay to play. So once again, I can't thank you guys enough for tuning in and finally digging deep into this investigation with me, and I'll catch you all on the flip side.